How's it, internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show that makes the most sense in the world, where everything is not made up and there are no points. How's it, Al? Good evening, Mr. Modlin. Only a little bit of a flourish on the intro this morning, this evening. You know what the thing is, right? Every time I hear that how's it internet, I, I light up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, I enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. It's the best part of, of starting to record this. This week, like we said last week and the, or the week before, we are back into uh, usual programming and we have a guest on the show this week. Yay! Yeah, finally back to regular cadence. So uh, I managed to track down Liz Sundit, and um, that's how you pronounce her first name and her last name. And we are continuing our theme of women in IT. Uh, next week we should have Heather Newman on the show as well. And uh, we might get Darcy on the show f- to wrap up Women in IT Month on Two Guys in SharePoint. So let's cross over to that recording. So on this week's episode of Two Guys in SharePoint, I managed to track down um, someone that's had an interesting last few months on Twitter with one of my fellow MVPs in, in South Africa. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how to pronounce your surname, so please correct me if I'm wrong. And we have Liz Sundet on the show this week. Is that right? That is correct. That is absolutely correct. All right. Well, welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. I know that SharePoint is a word that will be dying, so we do not too sure what we are going to change it to. But for our listeners out there, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, what do you do? So I am a uh, – well, it's it's interesting. Um, the the – my, my path has taken me to the point where I'm teaching right now um, at a local community college. Um, but I've done SharePoint since about 2008. I actually started out doing SharePoint for a ERP project, and we used SharePoint to help manage the project. So I became kind of the SharePoint expert, and I did all of the wrong things immediately. But my biggest thing was that I liked helping enabling others to use SharePoint and questions of how it worked or how to do something within SharePoint or if they had an idea that let's see if we can use SharePoint to help facilitate that idea. And that's really where my career has just kind of taken me in terms of, you know, user adoption and um, just helping users out as, you know, kind of a power user, but also an evangelist of the product stack in terms of, you know, just like working with the end users and 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 also working with, you know, different, all sorts of different places within the organization, all different people within the organization, and what you can actually do and, and achieve by working together on ideas. So I am out of Minnesota, but I'm very rural Minnesota, so most people think I'm from Minneapolis or the Twin Cities area. Uh, I do support that community and am involved with that community quite quite often, but I actually live about 60 miles straight south of the Twin Cities, so I'm very, very rural Minnesotan. 
and uh, kind of out in the farmland, if you if you know what I mean. So, and it's snowing here today. Uh, we we don't have snow in South Africa. Thank <laughs> God for that. I'm really excited after spending time with you in Seattle that I got home to whether that's not something cold. That, yeah. Well, we don't mind the rain. I mean, we have we have interesting rain, and when you eventually get to South Africa for one of our, our events, um, you'll be able to have a look at the weather and see that. So, what did you do before you touched SharePoint? I mean, what 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 was your background before you got into SharePoint? Oh, that's really interesting. So I was in sales for a number of years and got an opportunity to be a business analyst on an ERP system. And so I did ERP for quite a few years and, you know, worked on SharePoint kind of on the side. Um, But before that, I was actually working as a sales representative. And I worked for a a glass manufacturing company where you know basically you go to Las Vegas you see all of the the glass that's on the side of a building that's what that company did um, and before that I kind of followed my my path out of college and worked for a music company called Wenger Corporation and was a sales representative um, for that music company uh, basically working with band directors, choral directors, administrators on putting in a music suite within their high schools, colleges, that type of thing. So my my background, uh, I actually graduated with a music degree and a business uh, communications degree from college. So that was kind of kind of my my takeaway into my first job. So and you went into IT and I went into IT, which is also something very, very interesting. Um, I actually am going to be doing a presentation at the SharePoint North America conference on hiring that fine arts major. I think it's kind of an interesting story in the sense that music backgrounds or people that have studied music have this natural tendency to really understand computer systems. And there's actually a lot of mathematics involved with both, uh, but the musicians understand it in a little bit of a different way. Musicians tend to see patterns, um, as well as artists tend to see patterns. And so working their way through a computer system is not a stretch by any means of the imagination, but most people go, wow, that's really, really far removed from having a art degree or a music degree that you're now working in computer technologies. But in essence, it's it's very closely related. So we've got a, I'll call him eclectic uh, guy that works with, with, with me at the office. And he's one of our UX people. But it, I mean, his mind is, is on another level when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> And one of the one of the brightest people I've I've met. You'll never say that when you talk to him because he's just a retard. Um, <laughs> I might have to edit that out. Um, but but he's, he's got the personality of a plank, um, and he knows Gavin. Yes, Gavin Curtis, so that he knows that I'm talking about him. But his his design mind is just it's the best thing I've ever met, ever ever. 
And I can actually relate to you saying that from a creativity perspective, user experience is about that. And also, music is emotive. So I would expect when musicians move and look at at IT and, and um, human interface design and, and human interface computing, that they are able to see it from a user's perspective uh, pertaining to empathy and what they would like and what they wouldn't like. But I mean, the, so, so you doing training now as in? Yeah, so I've always done training um, at my background as a trainer and my work as a adjunct professor kind of lends itself to doing a lot of that training. And when I build training documentation, um, it's typically a couple of different learning styles that I interact with to build those training materials. So there's adults learn in very, very different ways. And to counteract just putting, you know, words on a piece of paper, um, let's, you know, put some pictures, let's do a video, let's do a lot of different ways that the user can then decide how they want to interact with the training, what works best for them. Um, and if they want to watch a video, then they can watch a video. If they want to have the instructions out in front of them, then we provide those kinds of things. So it's it's really about kind of interfacing with adult learning and doing things a little bit different. I've, I've written curriculum as a instructional designer for probably about the last five or six years. And that's really taught me a lot in terms of how adults learn and what they want to interact with. And to do that as in a repetitive kind of process makes the learning a whole lot easier in the end. Okay, that's an interesting approach to, and a lot of people look at training and they go, oh, we can sit on plural site, which is a great platform. I'm, I use it quite extensively. Uh, but uh, your approach to training is much more scientific than going to some sort of uh, Microsoft official curriculum course on Office 365 at some training institution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I like to put some interactivity into some of the training stuff that I build as well. So we might be telling them something for a couple of different slides, and then finally they're you know, being asked a question or having to apply that knowledge that they've just learned in the last couple of slides and either answer a question or interact, um, put some matching words together, those kinds of things. Um, and I think it helps solidify the learning and helps grow the individual around their learning as well. So, a two-pronged question. Before Office 365, did were you still training then? Yes. Did you build your own virtual machines? Uh, I didn't build virtual machines necessarily. I would inter I would, you know, go into virtual machines, but um, they didn't really like me to hit servers and and build out you know, virtual machines and that type of stuff. So um, so I would be doing, you know, kind of the the interaction with the virtual machine, but not the building out. So. The, the, the reason why I mention it, a lot of times 
people yeah oh no I, I do training and and they actually think well they the person is just a trainer and doesn't look at the back end, and, which is one of the reasons why I asked. And I think that's a, a huge uh, misconception that trainers actually don't get their hands dirty. They're not just reading off proctored sort of um, instructor guides around the training material that they're delivering. Uh, Typically in an organization, I was one of the – you know, few people that knew SharePoint or knew the system that we were working with. So I had to do everything from setup, um, you know, configurations, uh, you know, after the virtual machine or the, you know, on-premises environment was built out. I do all of the kind of the setup for it, um, create the solution do the training or guidance materials for the solution uh, and then promote the solution and evangelize the solution and, you know, get people to use it. Um, so I was, and then, you know, basically after the fact, improve it or take, you know, comments and feedback and, and work to improve it and make it better in, in that company. So I kind of was like the Jill of all trades, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it, it's kind of like going to an accountant and and saying, you know, well, you're you're an accountant, you can you know balance my checkbook, which may or may not be what that accountant does. Um, but there yeah. was a lot of times when you know I was even asked hardware questions. You know, why is it when I undock from you know my computer docking station and take my laptop into an office that it moves all my icons around or it does these kind of things. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, well, you're IT. You should know. And I was like, really? Um, <laughs> that's like, you know, again, being, asking a, an accountant to balance a checkbook. Yeah, it's like, do, do your family know that you're in IT? <laughs> my, my husband actually calls me his IT wife sometimes, so... But you don't get random calls from from a cousin or an aunt uh, specifically about some question uh, on ITR. I clicked on this link and something happened and now my computer doesn't switch on. I do get those. I think my brother gets more of those. So, <laughs> uh, so you've got someone that can worry about it. If you, you yes. just send them to your brother. Okay. Yeah. I, for the longest time, and I think it's also maybe just the space that we're in, um, when people used to ask me, what is it that you do? And I tell them I'm in IT, and generally they assume that I either build or fix computers. Um, because it's just, it, it's impossible to explain to them, oh no, I, I build ECM solutions, and then it's just a complete mental block on having to spend the next two years explaining to people wh what ECM is. Yeah, and I used to uh, tell people that I help companies build their intranet sites or their, you know, company portals. And I'd get looks like, oh, okay, you must be really smart. And it's like, well, I know what I'm doing, but I that's what I do for a living. So, yeah, it's it's a very, very kind of different different world when you're trying to explain to people that don't know what that is. Yeah, my, my kids think I build websites. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, so I think they've realized now that um, since my second oldest is building websites for me, um, that I don't build websites. So, the secret's out. 
secret side here. So from where you came to where you are now with the way technology is moving, um, are you excited? Are you not excited? Are you worried? Um, is there quite a huge shift that you've seen? And what is the impact to you from your perspective with where technology is going specifically around what Microsoft is doing in the technology space? So I am really excited for where Microsoft is taking, especially Office 365, given me a whole new world of opportunities to learn and grow and interact with different types of things to be able to build even bigger, robust solutions. Um, like I, I just completed a, a Power BI course. And so one of the things that I'm looking into now is really how do I enhance some of the things that I've been working on with Office 365, um, you know, in Teams and SharePoint and a variety of different areas, but how do I enhance that with Power BI and be able to really use analytics against that and learning that and growing with that and then, you know, telling a story around Power BI and, and what we can do there. Um, so I'm really, really excited for where, where it's going, um, even, you know, Power Apps and Flow and that type of stuff that will eventually be able to connect a whole lot of different apps together and work seamlessly with each other. Um, you know, some of these things, yeah, they're still in their infancy. Guess what? Years and years and years ago, we were in the infancy with SharePoint and having to wait a few years before kind of some, some feedback mechanism loop was, changes would appear that you, waiting for. Um, so now with Office 365, we've got a, a faster feedback loop, a faster mechanism for change. Um, it does make it a challenge to keep up with everything. I know people have asked me, you know, what, what resources do you kind of focus in on just for your own learning and growing and finding out about all the new stuff because I struggle you know, working time job and trying to keep up with everything that's been changing. And I think that is a real struggle, but yet at the same time, it's such a great feeling knowing that we're moving forward and we're moving forward at a very fast pace. And I don't think anyone wants to go back. Um, you know, I know a friend of ours was working on a 2007 SharePoint on premises. <laughs> And everybody saw it and went, ah! <laughs> um, so it was, it was kind of one of those where it was like, yeah, I don't think anybody wants to go backwards from where they are at now. So, And the users, I mean, at, at the rate that Microsoft releases updates to the platform being Office 365, what is it like for the users that you're training? It must be extremely daunting for them. Uh, I did a, was doing some architecture for, for a customer um, in Phoenix and before we traveled to Europe and across to the summit, it was the last conversation and they were busy doing some exchange mailbox migrations and by the time I got back, which was two, three weeks later, fundamental changes happened inside of Azure IP. So now we have to revisit that conversation from an architecture perspective around everything is going to be created and maintained inside of Azure portal, 
now I have to have a conversation with them and say, well, you actually don't have to do it there. You can do it through the security and compliance center. Is that not a, a burden to hide you train, what you train? Um, because you can only train with a disclaimer saying, this training is as good as it is of today. Tomorrow, they might have changed things. Absolutely. And I think the days of having you know, sit down in a classroom and learn is kind of gone. You need coaching. You need guidance. Um, but you also have to allow the users to kind of come to you and say, hey, this isn't working any longer. Let's work around. Let's find a different solution. Let's check the roadmaps constantly before building kind of any training or doing any kind of training. Because, yeah, it is only good for as long as it's applicable to that system. Um, I think that goes for any training. It's just that there's a much shorter loop right now. Yeah, I suppose you're right. It's just uh, difficult for... I mean, updating um, training material. So yeah. I, I know people that refuse to, to write training material because in three weeks' time it's going to mean nothing. Because well, of then I would say it's not necessarily the training material. It's how you facilitate that training. If you teach them the basics and teach them, you know, to click this, click this, click this, yeah, that's going to be obsolete a lot faster, but if you teach them holistically how things work, how things interact together, and give them a different basis for their learning, users can figure out different types of things until a certain point, and then you might need to interact and find a workaround, but that's why you have those people that can do some of those, you know, business analysis and work with end users on on change and what they need and maybe create a workaround for right now or think about building a new solution so okay and we, we're going to try we're going to try some new things uh, for the show i want to do some ink blotting with you so you, you're my guinea pig around this i've never tried ink blotting when it comes to it <laughs> So okay. I'm going to ask you a question, and you've got to respond with the first thing in your head, even if it's not related to IT. Best Office 365 app? Slow. Okay. Worst Office 365 app? Analytics, because it doesn't quite exist yet, so. <laughs> All right, we've tried that, we've tried that. Um, that was two things, worst and best. Uh, last one, I don't actually have one. Um, I've got to work out this, so we'll, we'll go with that. So tips for people wanting to, to get into Office 365 and, and the Microsoft stack, and also women in IT, I've got to, I've got to bring that up. Um, <laughs> otherwise, Heather Newman will, will have words with me because she's next up on the people that I'm recording. Um, so, uh -huh. uh, 
how do women get into IT? I mean, it's everyone sees it as it's a man's world. You know, we've carried these big chassis around and we've stacked servers into them and all of those things. When, in fact, um, it's not a man's world. You people, uh, women in general, do things a lot better than men do. Um, and that's my honest opinion. Um. You know, I, I have some different philosophies around this because maybe I've just been, I don't know, sort of living in a man's world that I haven't really you know, realized that there is necessarily a difference. Um, I use people for, you know, find different people with different skills that can offset some of my strengths differently and then add value where I see my strengths can be added value to. Um, but, you know, being a musician and being in kind of the, the high caliber music events that I've done for, you know, growing up, uh, that was dominant male type of activities as well. Um, but I never saw myself as an outcast or a, a really hard thing to get into. It was, hey, I, I have to be just as good. I have to, you know, promote my value. And maybe that value is in a little bit of a different way than, uh, you know, some people see. But I have value, and it's it's about adding my value and showing people what I can do and that it's valuable to them, not necessarily, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a female, therefore you should hire me in your IT organization. Um, you know, I actually, yeah, I like working with the, the business. Um, I, I like working with the end users. There's other people that are not that way at all, but it doesn't mean that I can't communicate with them, that I, I can't um, connect with them in some other way because it just takes a little bit of a different thinking or a different skill set. Um, so I guess nobody ever told me as a female that, it would be a struggle to get into IT or that I wasn't worthy of being in IT. It just, it, it's just been something that I just carry forward and, and add value in the places that I can find to add value in. And I think that doesn't matter what sex you are in the long run. Um, you know, I, I'm very supportive of other people that want to get into it, um, but hey, find out what you're good at, find out what your strengths are, and find the people that, that need those strengths, that can empower you, that that make you holistic and learn from each other um, and, and move forward that way rather than, you know, beating down the, you know, which, which sex door, you know, you, that you prescribe to, so... And you heard it here, people. Um, that is Liz's opinion on women in IT. And I think it's great because if you believe that there's a stumbling block, there's a stumbling block. Um, so do you play an instrument or are you a singer? I play several instruments. Well, I started playing piano <laughs> and uh, played a little bit of guitar. Uh, played trumpet and French horn um, in the concert band, wind band. Uh, I got into percussion uh, because of my music background or my piano background. So I played tune percussion, so timpani, marimba, xylophone, uh, hand percussion, all of those types of things. I didn't play uh, set percussion like you would in, you know, kind of your garage band. Um, I never played drum sets. 
Um, those are different types of drummers. Um, so, but pretty much anything concert band, um, jazz band, pit band, uh, glee club, all of those kinds of things I did, uh, I did uh, percussion for, so. All right, I think I think we can stop there. I, I'm tired of feeling like such an underachiever compared to everything that you've done in your life. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. So. Yeah, people but I'm happy one. to be part of this community, and there's a lot of similarities between you know being in in music and making the jump to you know the Office 365 and SharePoint communities as well. There's a lot of similarities, so. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm doing that presentation for SharePoint North America, so as part of the um, diversity and inclusion uh, track, so that should be pretty interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So how do people get all of you on the interwebs and the Twitterates? So Liz at LizSundit.com is my email. Um, the Twitter is at Percussion, P-E-R-C-U-S-N. And uh, otherwise, it's Liz Sundit, uh, a.k.a. not Tracy. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, we, we remember that. And, and, and I think Tracy is not Liz, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. So. All right, well, thank you for being on the show this week, and uh, I'm sure I will find you in, in, at SPCNA, and you need to play me something. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah, we got to get you out to South Africa this year as well. Absolutely. It's on my definite bucket list for that, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a trip to South Africa. Thanks, Liz. Ciao, ciao. Sweet, cool interview. You know what the problem is, right? So I've chatted to her and um, we jump between audio and video because I didn't want to add more video to the audio transcript. Um, and behind her in her office, she's got all these plaques on the wall, you know, and I felt like such an underachiever. So she plays 11 or 12 instruments, percussion and all of those things. And... I said, what are those things behind you on the wall? You know, all those blocks, because there's like quite a few. And then she started, she said, no, I've done a, 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 my PMP. Um, and um, she's currently doing Power BI, because she wants to know more about Power BI. And then she pointed to her MBA and some other things. And I was like, that's, that's going to take me four lifetimes um, to be able to do that. So I was just mind mind blown and hats off to her for achieving so much um, in in one lifetime yeah those people like that make us look bad hey everyone makes me look bad dude <laughs> it's not <laughs> just people like that anyhow moving on because yes. we're, we're on a clock and our usual segment in the news yes we're going to try to get through this as much as possible because there's been a ton happening First off, very quickly, do you have hub sites in your tenant yet? Damn straight, dude. Damn straight, I do. Nice. Um, I haven't actually checked on our local tenant. I just really haven't had time, but I'm so itching to get hold of that. So, so I'm glad we've got it. It is a, a two-part, two-part enablement. Um, yes. you got to PowerShell it and whatever. Yeah, so PowerShell it. So once you've PowerShelled it, a site into a hub site, you should then have the option to associate 
other sites to that website. So I'm on a targeted release and also my, my, my tenant is on a strange ring. So I might, but no, it, it is actually rolled out or it's, it's, it's probably 80% right now. So my tenant sits in Ireland. I got the partial first and then about a week later, I got the glue on the top. Nice. Yeah. So look, I, I honestly believe that hub sites like Teams is going to cluster bomb traditional information management. Yeah. It's, uh, these things have changed a lot, eh? So there's no messaging yet around it. There's no methodology, proven methodology. Like with Teams, you have the advent of content services. There's no, from a use case perspective, um, there is none of that um, available yet. So knowledge management practitioners are still kind of left in the dark. Think about it this way, right? So... Where do you start when you build your information architecture? Do you start and, and, and frame it for teams and then come back to gluing what, what's happening on the other side? Because remember, when you create a team, it creates a modern teams, it creates a modern team site, right? Yeah, but those, those team sites aren't, like, they're, they're not meant to be accessed via SharePoint. Like, I don't know if you're going to be rolling those up in a hubs. It's, it's a different thing. Like it's using SharePoint as the back end for the document store. Like that's sort of the size of it. You're not posting news there. You're not adding blog posts there. That's not the way, that's not that use case, right? Hub sites to me is used to group the things that you are doing in SharePoint. Anyway, yeah, like we're on the bleeding edge and we're all finding out together how it's all going to work. So I think it's super cool. No, it's very exciting. Exciting times. What else do you have for us, Mr. Modern? Um, Carrying on exciting times, Microsoft is now offering an AI certification. So they've got a whole series of uh, courses you can go through. You've got to pay, obviously. It's through edX.org. Um, and at the end of it, you'll have a microsoft back certification in artificial intelligence are they uh, there was some masters stuff as well somewhere i think it's through edX.org. Um, micro masters a friend of mine was doing quite a few of the certifications um, and it's specifically to microsoft tech as well so if you search micro masters microsoft i, I think it, i don't know if it's surfaced through edX.org. it's surfaced through some institute as well and there's yeah. a whole bunch of courses certification paths which is quite new that's really, really cool. Um, moving along, there are a couple new SKUs of Dynamics 365 that have been announced. So there's been a big spring update and lots of stuff coming out. Part of that is Dynamics 365 for marketing and Dynamics 365 for sales professional. Um, so new flavors of specifically targeted capabilities in Office 365 for those verticals. So that's really quite cool. Yeah, it's... Dynamics. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not a. Yeah, it, it's it's not my thing either. But um, it's good that that platform is moving and getting new stuff. No, look, they've made amazing strides over the last year or two. Old Scruff is Mister Dynamics, so we should actually. Oh uh, yeah, we, we should, should totally have him on. Yeah, and and talk about dynamics. Um, we should actually earmark 
a show dedicated to no interview, no news. We just want to talk to Scruff. That that would be an interview. <laughs> of course. Sorry. Uh, my grammar is always at risk. Sweet. What you got for us, Al? Ah, Office 365 for the US government. Um, there's some talk about it. We know that, strangely enough, a friend of mine, Ben Curry, who is one of the directors at Summit 7 Systems, and they were mentioned in the news recently as being one of the top 100 companies, and they do they deal with federal government. So uh, we know that they talk about data center stuff, but um, there's more stuff coming from Office 365 for US government. I think it's actually now real, real, real. What I want to talk about that is when you have, and it's, it's a no-brainer, it makes so much sense. There is no Slack cloud for government. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah? So... Yeah, why would there be? From a competitive perspective, Microsoft is owning the federal government space right now. And they're going to do the same for the rest of the world. So when it comes to Teams being a Slack competitor, Slack and the other guys that are purporting to have cloud services, they do not have cloud services for government. So yay, one point goes to Microsoft. Nice. Another big point for Microsoft... Um, big news, there's changes to the common data service. What used to be common data model, common data service is now going to be sort of entirely different. It's apparently an entirely different back end and it works in different ways and it gives us all sorts of mad stuff. So first off, they've got model driven apps, right? So you can take a uh, a series of entities in Dynamics 365 and and just sort of drag them onto a canvas and that will make a Power App type app for you. So Power Apps now actually has two different models of apps you can make. You can make the model-driven apps or you can make canvas apps, which is what we make at the moment. So it's an entirely different way to do it. And that also feeds into something I got a little loader, lower in the in the show notes, um, but we have now business process flows, which are state-based flows that hook into Dynamics and the common data service and Power Apps, and you can you, you can have these state-based flows work across all these things. So that that was one of the sort of the big things flows was, flow was missing is that sort of overall Sorry, I, process I, I management. Did, I didn't quite understand what you said. You said flow, I switched off. Yeah, well. But yes, machine state, machine state, state machine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yes, it's coming, and um, obviously you're excited. I am excited. Um, using the common data service, there's also a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Power Apps. So the new capabilities oh that'll be coming will be calculated in roll-up fields, they'll have business rules and validation. It sounds much like it was back in my beloved InfoPath. So you can oh, no. use you can use the, the business rules and the validation to set other fields and clear fields and show hide stuff and enable and disable. So that's really, really strong. The one issue I have with this, right? I mean, we, we don't actually know exactly what this is going to look like. These are still announced things. But all of this, you get all of this if you're using the common data service, right? The problem with the common data service is that it's the common data model that they've got now is actually quite expensive. 
So if you want to build apps that are using this, there is an additional cost that's not just part of your 365 subscription. Obviously, the model-driven apps are the same thing because it's off of Dynamic 365, and that also has a licensing implication. So this all sounds really awesome. Um, I'm just not so, so sure how easy the sell is going to be because th there's going to be additional costs involved. Yeah, well, it's all about making money. Show me the Benjamins. Are you now done with whatever you had in the show notes? Can I move on to my stuff? Because or... I, I, I know you've got an equal that. amount of stuff under your segment for Power Apps and Flow. No, no, that's not my segment. My segment's at the end. That's just another part of the news. Uh, but yes, no please, I, I, I ran through that common data service stuff as quickly as I could, and it's super awesome. Was, so was all that under the common data source service? Yeah, thing. yeah. Wow, wow, wow. State-based business process flows. Okay. Sure, I need a Red Bull just to, uh, you know, wake me up. Anyhow, my news for this week, guest access for Planner. That's awesome. That's really cool. Why is it awesome? Because you can now add a plan of planning teams and it's guest access. So you can actually use teams to do that like project management all in one place. And For real? Super excited, super excited. Um, also coming from Microsoft is there's a new feature that allows you to add subtasks to Microsoft To-Do, which might get me to actually start using To-Do. To-Do. Yeah, I have not looked at to-do at all. Look, it's, it's like those personal productivity things, right? You make a list, you can create shopping lists. And what the problem I had with to-do was exactly what they're addressing. So I want to give a topic or an, a line item that says show notes for two guys in SharePoint. It's a task. And then I want to have subtasks to go investigate and investigate. So I can group my to-dos. Um, and that's coming. And I might just open up to-do again on my phone. So, yeah, they rolling things. And this is not last week's stuff. This is this week's stuff, okay? This is just this week from the beginning of April. It's the 4th yeah. today. <laughs> um, next up on my things, very close to my heart, Microsoft Teams retention policies. Da, 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 da. Nice. So, they've taken Azure IP and they said, let's give this protection functionality to the Security Compliance Center in Office 365. And the world stopped and they got excited because you don't have to go into Azure IP to have rights management inside of policies, right? And the feature parity are shared. Now they're going, well, let's take retention and give it to Teams. Yeah, that's awesome. That was sort of the missing point in really using Teams for all of this stuff. Now, now that's also cool. And because of those policies, you can also do stuff like, oh, there's a ID number, blank it out, that sort of jazz. Well, I don't think you can obfugate or um, what's the other word? Not obfugate. You can't redact yet in Teams. It has been a question um, that has been listed. If you're getting the full feature parity from Azure Information Protection, you'll now have um, classification labels when it comes to sensitivity of content. So and I wonder so I wonder how that works. So if somebody says something sensitive in a chat, 
in, in a team? Is that entire team now sensitive? You must remember or there's, that there's, message two, there's, or? there's two types of classifications, right? One is I'm going to apply a classification, a confidential label to a document. On it. Yeah. yeah. The other one, depending on the plan that you're on, I think it's plan two for, for Azure IP or whatever it's rolled up into. That, and it works because I've tested it and it works nice. amazingly. Um, where I can type in a ID number or I can type in a term that I've created inside of um, Azure IP and I can put that in a document and when I click close, it will automatically apply that label. That's awesome. No, it's, it's, ah, it's just so cool. I was worried about polling from the Azure IP client and all of those things because now it's going to poll to see how often does it read. It's, it's going to impact a performance of the box, nothing. It's just great. So you can take the intelligence out of intelligent document management so that people don't go and send out documents that they shouldn't send out. Fantastic. Okay, next up, uh, some more modernization on e-discovery case holes, search and export. So they're bringing more of the security and compliance center look and feely stuff to e-discovery case holes because it was very sort of ugly based on what Exchange looked like from the Exchange Admin Center. So that oh, is yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah. So they're doing all of that. Uh, funnily enough, I only had my OneDrive uh, client updated today where it shows you what's in your in um, your uh, OneDrive space, where it goes cloud, sync, and those green little things, I only saw it today. Strangely enough, a sidebar thing. Anyhow, what else is coming? Custom metadata integration with modern SharePoint online pages and news. You never had that before, so that's cool. Um, uh, Penultimate news, because I know you're pushing me for time. Uh, new data centers for Switzerland, Abu Dhabi, and Dubai. Awesome. Power to the people. I'm very excited about Abu Dhabi and Dubai because Amazon, because, well, the thing is, the principality of Bahrain, I think they still a principality, whoever owns Bahrain, the little island, they approached Microsoft for a data center. Microsoft said no, and then Amazon heard about it, and AWS has got data centers in in uh, Bahrain, or Bahrain, Bahrain, I think it's a, if I was right Asian, that's what I'd call it. But Microsoft is now counteracting that with dropping data centers in Abu Dhabi, Abu, 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 Abu Dhabi and Dubai. So the UAE is now lit up like a Christmas tree because they're getting data centers. I've got a bunch of friends there who are super excited about this. And then my last bit of news got nothing to do with Microsoft, but everything to do with Microsoft. Because Polycom has been bought by Plantronics. Okay. What does that mean for us? Well, for one, I don't know if you've seen um, at Enterprise Connect two, three weeks ago, um, Microsoft Teams actually got an award for intelligent communications as, as a platform. And yep. Plantronics, not Plantronics, Polycom released some Teams embedded devices. Okay. So you know you could go into a boardroom in those fancy customers and they'd have a uh, Skype-enabled uh, boardroom device. Not yeah. the, not the, um, what is that thing called? Um, the towering camera thing, round table yeah. or whatever that was called. Um, you'd have a physical, it looked like a little star, like a starfish. And then you'd actually have Skype embedded on the device. You're now getting Teams embedded on, or Polycom is one of three partners that are working with Microsoft around Teams embedded. So you're getting that. And now Plantronics wants to get into enterprise-grade audio 
What have they done? They bought Polycom. Awesome. I'm so they, excited. The, the team's thing. Yeah, man, that's super cool. Be nice to have teams just the, the really the central hub for everything. All your all your telephony, all your video conferencing, there. all your chat, all your documents, all your everything. Like that's your hub for everything. It's super interesting. So for me, right, uh, when it comes to intelligent communications, um, here's the thing, right? So you create a team's team for a project you're working on and it's internal, but you still WhatsApp, right? Because someone created a project group and it's four of you at the organization and you still talk on WhatsApp. Why? Hopefully not. Why? Yeah. So from a messaging perspective, I know Microsoft's working really hard to get messaging correct. Specifically because we have, and I suppose WhatsApp's the biggest culprit. I mean, I'm working on a, on a, on, we're building some product at the office and we've got a WhatsApp group. And we, yeah. talk there, and we talk in teams as well. Yeah, and that's not good because then you land up having duplication or some information's here and some information's yeah. there. That's not great. So I'm super excited about what's coming from Microsoft. They just excite me. But they've gone through another reorg. You see Windows is now sitting part of the AI team for cloud stuff. No? Yes, they've moved Windows. The The guy that headed up Windows has actually left Microsoft. It's another reshuffle reorg. So Microsoft is really I did see that. becoming a cloud-first organization. And that's the way to do it, hey? That's where the money is. Like operating systems are not where it's at. Although it's weird because Windows is still the operating system unless you count chromebook i suppose and yes i know there are some of you out there that like linux i'm not ever going to run it on a personal machine ever and it neither is like 99 percent of the population so yeah they've got it sewn up interesting okay shall i run through my last little bit of news is that still quickly? news is that not your segment no no that's still news Jeez. so They've, they've announced um, there's a spring update to Power Apps and Flow, and they announced a whole bunch of stuff coming out. So a very quick rundown. You'll have a approval history in Flow where you can see your past approvals and everything like that. When you're building a Flow, there will be a best practice guide sort of in line as you're going and building it. It'll give you tips and tricks about best practice. They will let you test the app with dummy data sort of in line so you don't have to go create all the data or whatever you can say test and it'll throw in some dummy data and um, you can test it which will be nice if your flow fails you'll get an email with an apparently detailed remediation guide on how to fix it and if you still can't there's there'll be inline support apparently it's pretty cool um, they're going to have excel integration so if you're on a row in excel you can kick off an approval or something uh, more SharePoint integration. So in document libraries, they'll have a please sign this off option and it'll just do it for you. Um, there's going to be a bot in Teams for Microsoft Flow. So you can just kick off a flow from inside of uh, whatever team. They're also going to make it a bit more enterprise grade. So they're going to uh, have lifecycle management for your flows. So you can create it in a staging environment, test it, whatever, before you deploy it to uh, production a little bit that's actually really cool tooltips for expressions so if you've got expressions in your flow you can hover over it and see what the expression is which is uh, not possible at the moment so that'll be handy and then there's going to be some 
coming out pretty soon, there's some experimental capabilities of Power Apps. So you can post null values to databases, which you couldn't. And they're going to put in if error and show error functions. So if you're running big complicated functions, you can you can uh, pass the errors and uh, make that part of the experience in the app. So it won't just crash. You can do some handling of it in there. <gasps> And that is uh, the very quick Power Apps and Flow news before I put L into a coma. No, I'm very excited about it. I actually followed what you were saying for the first time ever. It's interesting that you mentioned lifecycle management. Um, it's going to be an interesting space. I think it's time that, that, that Flow goes from this unruly teenager, the adolescent that flows currently into like someone that can grow facial hair. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, Flow's actually still really new as a workflow platform like it has not been around very long and if you want to pay for more you can get into the logic app side of things and there you've got more code control over all the things and that's a bit more enterprise grade but you have to pay per run and all that sort of stuff yeah so but like they're definitely moving in the right direction i just hope they don't tie everything to the common data service and you can still do a bunch of this in normal flows okay all right, that part, that, you lost me in that part, but that's okay. And yeah, that is the end of our news, I think. Uh, is it still news? Wow, okay, yeah, that's, that's news. That's news, news wrap-up. All the new news. All the new news. Moving on, I'm moving to a, my segment, new features I didn't know about of the week. Yeah. So, so this is not related to Microsoft at all. It's related to what we do. As podcasters, as uh, vloggers, as webcasters, and all of that. So, we've been toying around with the idea, well, not the idea, we've always been thinking about, so how do we broadcast using the right tooling and also go to a conference where we can have people broadcasting, we can have interviewers standing in location A, location B, connecting locally via Wi-Fi, and then pumping out through through a base a base station of sorts, you know, sort of command central. And myself and Daryl Webster from Regarding 365 and the Office Message Center the week that was with Daniel Glenn, that's Glenn with two ends. we've been talking about this for ages. And we gravitated back to something that we looked at in the beginning, and it was strange because Daryl was talking about the Mevo cam, and they've got a new Mevo cam, it's been upgraded and all of those things. And went back to a product called Livestream. So Livestream will allow you broadcast sort of command central, multiple cameras. You can literally subscribe to it for $42 a month, download the app, because they've got a mobile app, right, that'll yeah. work on all iOS devices and Android devices, and you can connect that over your local Wi-Fi as a video and audio source. Okay. And then from there, you can pump out to YouTube or wherever else. So... I am super excited about the product because you don't have to go out and buy a fancy camera and all this Wi-Fi and all of those things because for the most part, these cameras, they broadcast directly, which you don't want because I want to do scene switching and all of that. And it's back to the studio, Rod. I want to do all of those things. So it's a cost-effective way and Mevo supports direct connection to it, the Mevo cams, which is very cool. Uh, and so does GoPro. Some of the GoPros support it as well. So from a, a live stream, I think it's called Studio, 
Um, we are definitely going to be using that for our two, three, a couple of shows that's coming up. Um, we're still building the studio, sorry for that. And yeah, that's that. That's it from me. Go have a look at live stream uh, for those budding sort of production quality multi-scene recordings um, that that you'd want to do. That's fantastic. That sounds really, really hot. I look forward to getting into it. Damn straight, we'll have it in our studio, Martin. So we'll you'll definitely see it. Sweet. Then the last segment in the podcast is my go with the flow. No, 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 no. You have to do it properly. Go with the flow. You do it so much better than I do. I've been working with Power Apps and Flow for the last little bit. Really? We're, we're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I have. I have. I've, I've been doing a big thing. I'm going into a, a big project as well. And the um, requirement for both of them is to use uh, Azure SQL databases as the back end because it's sensitive data. So you want the most control over it, right? So you want it in a SQL database so you can control the access and all that good stuff. I have noticed a few niggling things that you have to work around in Power Apps and Flow um, when you're dealing with Azure SQL. So the tables that you create, if in Power Apps you want to create a form that will edit those, you have to have a primary key. You, you have to have an ID and a primary key set. Otherwise, you can only view the data. You can't post it anywhere. So that's a thing. It's also... Normalization, mate. Normalization. Have you absolutely. never Sure, back sure. To, to that, that's here. great. That's great. So you can set up a, a, a SQL table to automatically generate the GUID, right, for their ID. Fantastic. Okay. Except when you post from Power Apps or Flow to that, it sees it because it has to be non-nullable. So it's um, a required field. So you have to put it in but you haven't created the GUID yet. So you have to create the GUID separately to post through. It's a whole thing. Um, maybe I'm missing something, but I'm pretty sure there's just, it, it gets messy. So if you want to, from Power Apps, create a new row in a table rather than editing one, you have to call flow that'll then generate the GUID and post it through. That's just a little thing I learned today. Oh, and... Um, another thing, if you want to do people lookups, um, and especially, so you want to pull from the, your active directory, your Azure active directory, do it in a SharePoint list, even if it's just staging, and then you can take whatever data out of that you want and push it to your Azure SQL, because getting a combo box to talk to the Azure AD is a nightmare. I tried for a long time and I was like, okay, I'll stage it in a SharePoint table and I can just use the people control because it, it was a little bit of a nightmare. Sorry, what was that? Uh, that dialect of English I didn't quite understand, Mr. Martin. I, I thought you would be happy that I said Flow and Power Apps were a nightmare for me this week. No, that just means you're going to dig more and come up with more things to say, like you always do. Yes, it's wonderful. I, like, I don't like having to do workarounds, but, you know, I, I liked InfoPath. So it can do anything you want. You just might have to work around a couple things. Okay, is that it? And that's it. That's it. Yes, I'm done. I'm done. Maybe, like, we must move this up because you end the the podcast on such a down note. We must put it above yours at least. You can go last and close us out. No, no. No, then I'd be even more sad about going last because I've already been... I'd rather be saddened at the end of the show. And and you should be sad because it is the end of the show. And if you guys want to find us for the next show, you can find us online, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. That's the number two. Um, we're also on Twitter, 
at two guys SharePoint. Again, with the number two. I'm on Twitter at oddmodlin, and Al is at Alistair Pugin. You can find us on iTunes, search Two Guys in SharePoint with the number two or one word, and you'll find us on all your podcast app of choice. Thank you so much for joining me this week, Al. Thank you, Mr. Modlin. And thank all of you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Did you just drop the mark on me? <laughs>